hope over the next five weeks as we go through this I Love My Church series that it does two things. One, it encourages you individually on your own faith journey of what some of the foundational things can be to help you shift that. And two, that you play a part in this church. Listen, I would not want to do this alone. It would be very bad if I, I, I think I do too much, and I'm not saying that in any, in any other way. I, w- I love to hand things off. Like, you know, the problem is most people don't want to touch a microphone. <laughs> like, uh, I've tried that before, and, uh, and they run, this guy's like over there like, no. Uh, although I keep saying, Sky and Kendall, when they preached on Mother's Day, they did an amazing job the, uh, during COVID. Um, and, and so my job is, is not just to be the one-man band because that is a horrible way to lead anything. It is to develop leaders to say, hey, I need some people to do this. And so how do we do that is we develop a culture that understands that everybody plays a part. Statistically, they say that uh, in every church, about 20% of the people do 80% of the work. We really want to shift that. Once again, I can't do that for the big C church, but I can do that for our church. I can shift the culture to say, where can you play your part in our church? What, what do you do? What do, what do you love to do? How can you, make, and listen, I know the first thing that everybody thinks of, right? This is the first thing that everybody thinks of. I don't want to be in nursery. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, you know, anytime we ask people, which by the way, we do need some people to help in nursery, just saying. Um, so if you love to cuddle kids, like that's a good place for you. But this isn't just about, like, it's funny to me that when we say, hey, the church needs some people to step up. And here's the thing, we will, ne- we will try never to use the word volunteer. Because volunteer is taking a very negative connotation in the church. It, what it means is, I want to abuse you until you hate the church. I mean, think about it. When, when you say volunteer, it means, I need you to do something that maybe you don't like to do, but I'm going to make you feel like you need to do it. I want you to find your purpose and your passion, and then I want you to partner with us to do it. If you've got a talent, and, and listen, can I, going back to the very, very first time of this church, I started to meet some pastors, started to make friends, and, and uh, I, trying to put together a worship team. And so I go, how do we find a drummer? And every pastor, without even batting an eyelash, goes, you won't. Well, thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> they said they're either already playing in church or they don't want nothing to do with church. Okay, challenge accepted. So what did I do? I went to what I know to do. I went on Facebook and Instagram, and I actually paid for uh, uh, the ads, and I said, I need musicians. We're a brand new church starting. Our, our very first musician was Ty. He's not here this morning. He's, he comes to some of our life groups, uh, and, and, and he, was, it was, he goes, I play keyboard. Now, here's the thing. Here's me. I'm trusting. <laughs> He's all, I play keyboard. I believed him the whole time. I play keyboard, never asked him to play for me. I play keyboard, cool. The week of playing, we get up there, we're we're practicing, and he goes, how do I play this? And I'm like, he kind of knows how to play keyboard. Now, here's the thing about Ty. He was such an amazing young man um, because he would, he would then, he was like, you know what? I'm going to prove. Like the next week, he was like, watch me play the keyboard. He was very gifted and, 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 and quick learner, and he could get up there and he, he could play, okay? Um, now, going back to the drummer. They said, you won't have a drummer. So what did I do? I went out to Facebook and Instagram world. And man, can I tell you, all the drummers came out the woodwork. I mean, and I'm not joking. Like, I got like two or three emails every week about, you know, a dr- being a drummer. 
But here's the funny part. They would all be, they would start asking questions about the church. Like, what kind of church? What's your theology? What's this and that? And I'd answer, and they're like, okay, I go to this church. I'm like, why are you even emailing me? I had one person email me and say, well, what do you think about people that don't go to church playing, for, playing your drums? And I'm like, at this point, I don't care. If you can play and you're not bringing Satan in with you, I will take you. And, and, and so, like, here's the deal. Like, honestly, I'm not, I kid you not. Like, one of my good friends who was a Christian musician in the, in the Christian world, traveled the world, the only reason he got into music, the only reason he did what he did for, as a professional for so many years was because somebody invited him because he played guitar to play on the worship team. So before anybody goes, well, it's a holy place. Yes, this is a holy place. Yes, we, we need to worship God and we need to have a reverence. But you know what? Sometimes we take the gift that somebody has and we show them how they can use it for Jesus and it leads to a relationship. Now, back to my story is, is I had a guy from El Dorado go, hey, you know, he, he responds in email, and then he goes, oh, but I play at this church. I'm like, oh, here we go again. So I just encouraged him. I said, well, hey, if you want to hear more about us, come to a, uh, a, start off, a starting party that we did, and he showed up, and, and that's Mr. Randy, and he's been here ever since. From week one, we've had a full worship team when everybody said we wouldn't. Why? Because it, when people find a purpose and when they find a place that they can be a part of, man, they want to give to the house and they want to see it grow. And they want to see God's kingdom make a difference. Listen, people don't want religion. They don't want just to go to church. I think we do that because it's what checks the box and at least we're here. But we want to feel like we have a purpose and we have a plan and we have a part to play. I can emphatically say that I love being the pastor at Freedom Church. I love the call that me and my wife have to move here, to start this church, to, to see God's kingdom grow in a way um, that, that we would never be able to experience outside of what we're doing. I love getting to do life with each and every one of you on a weekly basis. And for some of you, you're new in here, and I, I can't wait to get to know you and, and get to do life more with people. I, I want to get to the point where, listen, and this is not big-headed, and, and this is not me, this is kingdom-minded, okay? So if anybody ever goes, well, I don't want to be a part of a big church, you're going to hate heaven. just going to say it. Like, you know, those people are like, oh, I like a small church. Heaven's going to suck for you. Like, you're going to get up there and be like, where's the tiny church? Like, man, we're here. Billion strong. Like, you know what I mean? The goal isn't about being a big church. It's about being kingdom-minded. And there's a difference. See, being a big church says something about me. Being kingdom-minded says something about us. It says that we believe that every chair is a soul and every soul needs to be saved. Because heaven and hell are real. And so our goal is, man, if fill this place up, turn it over and do it another service. Craig Groeschel, he said it this way of Life Church. They, they have like, I don't know, something like 30-something, 40-something churches uh, all across the nation. He said, you should use your, your facilities until you cannot do it anymore. He would have up to nine services in one location on a Sunday. Hillsong, which I know some people will give them flack for some of the things that are going on in the news with them, but Hillsong in New York, when they launched their church, they launched it on a bar. <laughs> like, that is so cool. Um, and, and so Saturday, people would be drunk and partying. Sunday morning, they'd be worshiping Jesus. And, and they, they had a set morning schedule for the first service. And after that, they were just like, we'll just keep going until people stop showing up. Sometimes it'd be five services, six services, seven services on a Sunday because people were lining up outside the church. I can't get into this service, so I'll wait for the next one. What would that say about your community when people start lining up because church is too full? I mean, think about that. 
Could you imagine if, if 10 o'clock, we, we pack this place out, we have the foyer packed out, and we've got a line out the door, people going, we'll wait till 1130. I mean, could you, I, I mean, my heart gets excited about those kind of things, not because of me, but because of what God could do through us. But I love it. I, listen, I don't care if 10 people show up on a Sunday, 100 people show up, or if the 1,000 people show up and we have to build more space. I don't care. What I care about is living out an active faith with the purpose of God in our church. So turn with me to the book of Corinthians. If you don't have your Bible, uh, you can read along. If you don't have a Bible, please come see me. We have Bibles that we can give you, okay? Nobody should be without one. And so if you, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to bless you with one this morning. But we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. I'm going to be reading out of the uh, NLT, the New Living Translation. It says this. When I first came to you, now this is Paul the Apostle speaking to the, the church at Corinth. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters... I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuading speech, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Let me tell you, there is so much in that that, that I could speak on the modern church, the, 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 the movement of um, wowism that we see in the church. And I, listen, I love lights and all that fun stuff. That, that gets me excited as well. But if we don't do that to point people to Jesus, then we're just, we're just having a concert and we're just a social club. Everything that we do as a church should have one simple purpose. It is to point people to Jesus and to point people that love Jesus one step closer in the relationship and then tell them to go help other people get there. That's it. Lights and cameras and all of this other stuff, it's fun. But listen, if, we, if God told me to get up with a kazoo, I'd worship him with that. You know, let's, I, don't, I don't even know if you can make different notes with that, but we'd figure a way. Because listen, I love what Paul says, and he says, I came to you, and I didn't use lofty words. I didn't use gadgets and, 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 and you know, illustrations. I didn't, you know, do funny, silly stuff. I, I simply forgot everything I knew, and I preached Jesus and Jesus crucified. Because that's the power. The power isn't in me sounding smart. The power isn't in me trying to tell you how much I know. The power is in me expressing God's goodness and telling him why you really want to be a part of God's family. If we try to live out the duties and character of the Christian life without making Christ the center of it all, okay? I want you to catch this. If we, you know, and this is what happens in a lot of churches, and I'll call it the um, Western church, uh, so the first world problem church, you know, uh, air conditioner's too hot, it's too cold, the coffee's not right, the donuts aren't fresh enough, whatever, right? Some of you are like, these seats suck. Whatever it is, you know, it's, it, because listen, go to India and tell them the seats suck. They, they'll laugh you out of the building, okay? Go to Mexico. I've been there where a church that's smaller than the size of our stage, and they put 60 people in there. You want to talk about hot? That's hot. And it's like made of old garage doors, so on a hot day, it's really hot. Like you're smelling them from last year, okay? That's how hot it is. But what he's saying is this, is he's saying, listen, okay? I want you to catch this. You could do all the right things. 
You could act the right way. You could talk the right way. You could look the part of the church. All of that. You could do all of that. Okay, I want you to catch this. If we try to live out the duties and the character of the Christian life without making Christ the center of it all, it is like straightening the deck chairs on the Titanic. Could you imagine the Titanic's going down and you're going, the chairs aren't straight. Like, you are missing the point. We're going down. The chairs are like floating, you know, they're, they're screaming down. You remember the movie where it starts to tilt up and it's, it's really sadistic, you know, but the, the, the bodies are, you know. Um, could you imagine like trying to straighten the chairs? The chairs aren't straight and they're going, people are dying. Church, we're running around caring about the churches being straight, the, the chairs being straight and people are dying. Souls are being lost and we're over here going, well, this, is, this, this song sucks. Don't worry, it gets better. <laughs> I want to pull out what we think of church and implant what God's purpose is of church. I want you to say, I love my church. I, I not only Freedom Church, I hope you do, but I hope that you would also say, man, I have a passion for the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is the main thing, and it's the center, and it centers not on external matters, but on our relationship with God and with others. See, here's the thing. We try to make church about look, about outward things. And God says, I look at the inward of man. I look at what's going on in here. You could have it all together outside, <laughs> right? Makeup makes a lot of blemishes go away. And in our world, in our life, we try to put a lot of makeup on to, to hide the hurt and the pain and the things that we struggle with. And we, we, we hide maybe some, some things that have pushed us away from God and some struggles that we're walking through. And we try to have it all together instead of saying, you know what? I'm a little broken today. I'm a little broken right now. I'm a little lost right now. I'm a little hurt right now. And I need God's hand to come in. And I need the church to rally around me. It's all about loving God and loving people. So I've got two simple points for you to this morning, and they are simply this. They are core value number one and core value number two of this church. And the first one is this. Keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> it is simple. Man, we will preach Christ and Christ crucified. I'm not going to try to give you my opinion. I'm not going to try to give you uh, my theological whatever on things uh, all the time. I'm going to go back to the book and say, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this topic? What does the Bible say about where you're walking through life? What does the Bible have to say about these certain things? That's why Paul says, I, I learned, I forgot everything so that I could preach Christ and him crucified. Look at Romans 14, 17 through 19. Um, this is in the Passion Translation. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it is the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities pleases God and earns the respect of others. So then, make it your top priority to live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships, eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. Those are our two points, wrapped up in one scripture. The kingdom of God is not about outward things. It's about the realm of the Holy Spirit filling you with all of the, the gift of the Spirit and then it is about serving and strengthening and encouraging one another. We walk not in the realities of what we see, but in the kingdom. 
That's why somebody like Mr. Randy can serve week in and week out, even though he's walking through cancer. And I know he probably could care less about me talking about it, but it's the reality. Why when me and my wife were walking through, it's, it's the reason why when me and my wife were walking through a season when we, when we lost everything, we, we lost our house, I had to sell my truck, we, we, and everybody was like, oh, poor, poor pastor. And I'm like, no, not poor pastor. I still have a roof over my head. I still have cars to drive. And it may not be the car I want, but it's the car I got. <laughs> Amen? It may not be the house that I wanted to live in. It may not be mine. I may now be renting it, but I still got a roof over my head. My, my family isn't homeless. I'm like, what is there, poor pitiful me? I, I still have a decent life. I'm, I'm not hurting for, for things and, and stuff. And, and, and they, yet people would be like, oh, it's okay. It's good. Like, listen, the external things don't matter as much as the spiritually deepening things in my life. Christ will always be first. I would say this. If anybody ever wants to bait you in a, in a conversation about religion, just keep Jesus the topic. Jesus died for your sins. He's come to give you new life. He's come to make you a different person. And, and if they want to get off on all the religious, like, you know, you know things about church, pass. <laughs> pass. Because here's the thing, they're not asking you about life-changing things. They're baiting you to argue about things that draw people and push people outside of the church. How many times have people been hurt by the church because they stopped caring about people and they started caring about processes and, and, and looking right and looking good and having all the right answers instead of caring like, hey, you're walking through a tough time. You're hurting and you're obviously asking. But instead, I'm going to give you this religious answer about how the church needs to be this, this, and this. And you're going, I, I just need somebody to care for me. My soul is hurting. I was listening to a podcast on our drive home uh, yesterday. And they said this. They were talking about abortion and, and Roe versus Wade and, and the church's stance and where we, where we kind of fit in with this. And they said, listen, it really is the same situation for all circumstances, whether it's uh, abortion or anything else. It is the reality of this is when somebody walks through your church, are they going to feel condemned or are they going to feel loved? And the church has done a really good job of condemning people that don't look like us. Instead of saying, you're broken, join the team. Let us walk you through your healing. Let us point you to a Jesus that loves you for who you are, not for, for the stuff that you've done. Listen, sin is sin, and we will always preach that sin is sin. But the reality is, is that normally we already know that it's sin. I don't need you to beat me up over my sin. I need you to walk me through life so that I can become the person that God has designed and, 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 and made me to be the purpose and plan that he has for my life. And if the church won't do it, the world will. Go to a bar on Friday night. Come on, why does everybody love cheers? Because they know your name. Because they make you feel welcomed. Because unfortunately, a lot of times, bars have done a better job of being the church than the church has. They found love and accepted. Why do people love gangs? Because there's love and acceptance, there's belonging, there's purpose. And, and listen, all of this is designed by God's word. And he's saying, listen, church, this is our call. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Let people know that they are loved and accepted. They have a purpose and plan. Draw them into that and allow them to heal and walk through that. And then give them a place to, to have a purpose and live it out. I'm telling you, when you find that, you find a good thing. Keep it simple. 
It's real simple. Christ over everything. Like, Christ over everything. What do you think about this? I think that if Jesus is for it, then I'm for it. If he's not, then I'm not. But being against something doesn't mean I'm against somebody. Catch it. Being against something doesn't mean that I'm against somebody. I can be against abortion, but for the, the, the young lady who didn't know any other way out, and then when she walks into the church after having it, does she feel condemned or does she feel loved? I can, I can be against things like homosexuality and love people who are living in a lifestyle that you wouldn't maybe agree with, but we can point them to Jesus and show them true love. It's not about condemning people. Listen, and here's the thing. We pick, you know, I pick big topics, right? What about the person with anger? Well, that's really not a big sin. Really? Read your Bible. Oh, oh you don't believe me? We're going to get there. We're going to get there real quick in Galatians in just a minute. When we major on the minors, we make the focus on godly action instead of exposure to God that changes us from the inside out. It's not about looking the part. It's okay to be a mess sometimes. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to just sit there and go, well, I'm not okay. Oh, this is dangerous because I don't do crisscross applesauce very well. Oh, Lord Jesus, they don't make me very well. I feel like a grown-up version of like, I don't know, like, if I need help, Rodney, better be ready. Um, It's the reality of we just, we go, I'm not okay, but I'm just going to sit here in it. Remember what I talked about? We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and the problem is is that when we get in these moments where it's tough, we just sit in it and we go, I'm not okay. Okay. What can we do to help? I just need to sit here. No, 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 no. You don't need to sit here. Because when you sit in it, you will develop Depression, you will develop anxiety, you will develop worry, you will allow the voice of the enemy to speak death into you instead of a savior to speak life into you. And the problem is, we sit in it long enough to where we just go, Well, this is just who I am, this is how I was created, this is this must be who I am. No lies. We don't believe the lies of the enemy, and that's why it's okay to not be okay, but don't sit in it so long that you start to believe the lie is the truth. Christ over everything. We're not going to major on the minors. We're going to keep Jesus the very focus of our lives, keeping the main thing. The main thing is this. God is my portion. God is my portion. I trust him. God is my savior. Nobody else. Listen, no guy or girl can be your savior. And that goes for whether you're married or not. Doesn't matter. If, if, if you look to somebody else to make you a better person before Jesus, you will fall Every time. God is my savior. I don't need a job to be my savior. I don't need people to be my savior. There's one person who has done that for me, and it's Jesus. God is my purpose. God is my source. See, the problem is, is that God comes in and he, he blesses us and he creates uh, this source for us, right? Whether, whether it's financial or maybe it's emotional, maybe it's with friendships. He creates this source of the things that we need. Here's the problem. Because we're human, <laughs> when things get to go good, we think that we don't need them anymore. 
So the, the, the challenge is, is in the good times to remember who gave you that goodness and that blessing. Who got you there? So that in the good times, you, when you ride up that top of that mountain, you're like, I know why I'm here. I know the source of life that gave me this blessing. So that way, when you start to go back down it, you'd realize that I'm, I, I'm the same person on top of the mountain as I am in the valley because my source isn't me, it's God. That's why being in your word and praying is so important because it takes the focus off of you and what you can do and puts it on Jesus and what he's already done and wants to do in you. Christ over everything, over your feelings, over your circumstances, over your culture, over politics. Mm. The world has done a really good job of separating the church through politics, through culture. Can I tell you the one thing that like just drives me up a wall other than politics? Because politics drives me up the wall. I, I have a hard time even just wanting to discuss it. They're all evil and crooked. Um, I believe there's some godly people smattered in there, but for the most part, both parties, crooked. Um, that thing's coming to my TED Talk. Uh, and, but the other thing is when we say things like black church and white church. It frustrates me. It frustrates me that we have allowed it to get to a place where that's the reality. And listen, this is not a quick fix. This is like, you, people, somebody asked me um, sometime around year one being here. They said, so are you a, a multi-ethnic church? I said, I'd love to be. I would love to be. But the problem with that is that it's not an overnight fix. I just can't go out and be like, we're a multi-ethnic church. Everybody come to our church. Like, it doesn't work that way. Because the reality is, is in, in, in places, especially in the South, there is a hurt between races that we have to break down the wall and say, it's not an us against them. It's not our culture versus theirs. It's there's the kingdom culture and that's it. And I don't care if you're black, white, brown, purple, or yellow, or pink, or anywhere in between. It's kingdom culture. And that's what will happen inside this wall, these walls is that it is kingdom culture. Somebody asked me, why, why, why don't you do gospel music? Because this boy is not gospel. Give me somebody who can sing gospel. I'll give them a mic and let them go to town on a gospel worship song. You, I will okify a gospel song. So you don't want that. Or I'll rock out a gospel song, one of the two. You don't want that. You don't Listen, you don't want me being something I'm not, just like I don't want you to be something you're not. I want you to find your purpose. And as a church, I want to run and I want to change the world outside. But we got to keep the main thing the main thing. And when we do that, as God is my portion, God is my savior, God is my purpose, God is my source, therefore, my actions will just be a byproduct of the relationship I have with him. They will not be the driving force. I won't have to act a certain way to please God. I will act a certain way because I love God. And there's a difference. Don't let religion dictate your beliefs. Let the Bible. Listen, can, can I help you understand something? We can disagree on minor things. We can disagree on minor things and still run in the same direction. Baptists are not my enemy. <gasps> I know, right? Lutherans are not my enemy. Methodists are not my enemy. They're denominations. They're not people. So they're not my enemy. Catholics are not my enemy. If you are for Jesus, you're, you're on the same team. 
So there may be things that we disagree with theologically that are not major issues. Now listen, if you're going to tell me that you can get to heaven any other way than Jesus, that's a major issue. I can't get down with that. And there are some very, very other major things that theologically that I would say would keep me from being able to run in the same direction. But for the most part, we have created issues where there are not issues. Well, what if somebody doesn't get baptized? Well, that's their choice. And if you go to a church where, where it's like extremely important, everybody gets baptized on Sunday, then get baptized every Sunday. I don't care. Well, what about the churches that, that say you got to speak in tongues? Hey, whatever. They can speak in tongues every Sunday for all I care. There's a different, listen, and I will gladly preach a whole message on on the biblical foundation of speaking in tongues to not scare you. I believe in it. I believe it's a gift of God. I believe it's used very poorly in the church. And I'll leave it at that because that's not my message today. If you want to know more about that, you can come talk to me. Because I have a very strong opinion on it. A very strong, biblically founded opinion on it. It's not even an opinion. I would say that it's biblically rooted. And here's the problem. Here's the funny part is that it scares people away. How many have had no understanding of speaking in tongues, heard somebody speak in tongues and said, get me out of here? It's not that it's unbiblical. It's that we're not asking what does the Bible say about it? And it's no different than any other thing theologically is that we go to the Bible and we go, what does the Bible say about this topic? Not what does my pastor say about this topic? Or what what does the Bible say about this issue? Not what does culture, even Christian culture, say about this issue? Because here's the thing. Everybody can be wrong in the church if they're not following the Bible. It's that simple. What does the Bible say? I remember uh, when Washington um, passed uh, legalized weed. A good buddy of mine up there said that they had to address it in their church because people said, well, it's legal now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Does the Bible not say that just because something's legal, it's not necessarily good for you? That's the Bible. So it, it, it's funny because what happens if literally the purge happened? Would we go, well, it's legal now. I mean, I could go shoot somebody. Think about, think about how badly that conversation go in many different areas. Well, once, once a year, you know, it's okay just to pull out your gun and shoot your neighbor. People coming to church, is that okay, pastor? Really? I don't think that's part of love your neighbor. I'm sorry. And so the problem is that we allow things to dictate our, our belief system. And I'm telling you, if we keep the main thing, the main thing. We will have less issues and we will get along with more people. Which leads me to my my next point, which before we get there, I got to read Galatians because it sets up. Let's read Galatians 5. And uh, Kendall, I do apologize. There's a lot there and we may skip through some of the stuff. So just roll with me, okay? Um, And I don't have it in my tablet. So if you could just roll with me. 5.13 through 26. We're not going to read all of it. It says this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. I believe we find that in Matthew and Luke and all those other places. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. 
So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, look at this. The sinful nature, they define this for you. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Um, yeah, so, so here's, here, when you follow the desires of sinful nature, the results are very clear, are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Listen, so we can, we can, here's the problem. The church does a really good job of majoring on, on, on these major sins that we like, but then you get to things like anger, quarreling. Uh, go, go back one. Selfish ambitions, division. The church has done a horrible job of dividing people. Therefore, I would say the church is in the wrong in a, in a lot of things. We have to rightly develop a word, a truth of God's word, so that we're not, our goal isn't to divide. Listen, it is not us against them. It isn't the Christians, yay, team A, versus the non-Christians. But this is what we've done in the church. Well, I'm saved by grace, and you're not. Did you do anything to get saved by grace other than to say, Jesus, I need you? So you're not any different than anybody else. So our goal isn't to go, I'm the church and you're not, and you're evil and sinner. No, it's to reach across the alleyway and say, God loves you and I want to show you that love. Go ahead and jump through. Go through. Ah, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Go to the very last uh, scripture. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So point number two, which is a lot smaller than point number one, because point number one sets up everything. We believe in people. Don't provoke people to anger. Don't push people out of the church. Love people. The, the gift of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness, faithfulness. I always go back to it, but love others as yourself. If you do not have a Godly love for yourself, it's very hard to give it to anybody else. When you have a negative look on who you are, you will always portray that to other people. And that's the problem is that we have an overwhelming issue with people that deal with worry, anxiety, depression, uh, bad versions of self-care. And we want them to love others like God loves us, and we can't because we aren't there. And so you can't love others from a well that you have not developed. You have to develop a, a, a love of God in you so that you can hand it out to others because the problem is that, that, that fake love can only be given out so much. Then you get annoyed with them, and then you're like, you want to throw a cactus at them. 
Because if that's the well that you're pulling from, you're going to get frustrated with people. But when you pull from God's love and he develops a love for you and a love in you, then you're able to give it out to others. Eagerly seek to encourage and strengthen one another. Use, I love the, the way that it says that. Use your freedom to serve one another. Use your freedom to serve one another. We do not just put up with people. <laughs> we do not just put up. I, like, as a church, I want you to understand, we do not just put up with people. We love people. Now, loving them doesn't mean that everybody has to be your best friend. You can... You can not like people and love them the way that Jesus loves them. Sometimes people have to be at, a, at a, an arm distance because they're going to change you. Sometimes God says you have to cut people out of your life. It doesn't mean that you hate them. You don't talk bad about them. You don't jump on Facebook and say mean things. You don't tweet about them. You love them from afar so that you can still stay godly. Love others and use your freedom to serve them. We encourage people. We love them. We build them up. We bear with one another. We disciple one another. We are other-minded. That's why life groups are so important. Next week, I hope you all sign up for one. It's why serving our community is so important. When we are centered in Christ, we are called to show people their purpose in Christ. It's why we will leave the 99 and go after the one lost one. If you haven't heard this lately, I want you to hear this. You have a purpose. You weren't an accident. God developed you in your mother's womb so that you could live a life that would lead others to him and that would show this world the glory and the goodness of God. That is why each and every one of us were here. It all may look different. It may be through job circumstances. It may be through friendships. It may be through relationships. However God wants to use you, you have to be just open and willing to love people where you are at and where they are at. The church is here to help you. If you're walking through something, we want to pray with you. We want to be there for you. We want to walk you through. If we, if we can uh, encourage or disciple you in something, we want to be there. We serve together, but we also pull out the eternal purposes that we each have. Anna, you can come up. Um, we don't, I don't talk about vacations before I go on. I don't really care to talk about them afterwards, but this, proves, this serves a point, so I'm going to talk about it. We just got back from our vacation. We went to Disney. And um, despite your personal opinions of Disney, our family loves it. Okay? I'm a big fan of the House of Mouse. I am. There's a couple reasons why. But one of them is how they treat people. Now, this isn't a political issue, okay? Because I can, I can stand here and say as much as I love going to their theme parks, I understand that on a political level, I don't agree with them on some of the things that they fall in line with. Let me tell you what I mean, why, why this is, I'm even talking about this when I talk about how we treat people and how we believe in people. So the very first day that we got there, that Saturday night, we, were, we went to their water park. And It sucked. It was horrible. Now, the water park was great, but uh, about an hour into it, a thunderstorm rolled through lightning and, you know, I'm sorry, but lightning and water don't mix. If you don't know that, lightning and water don't mix. So we're standing in this gigantic wave thing and I'm watching these, these sideway lightning and I'm going, we should probably get out. <laughs> so I go get our kids. I'm like, I don't care if they told us to get out. Like the common sense thing says, get out. 
So we get out, and literally as we're getting out, the you know the PA system. Ladies and gentlemen, we are closing. The, we are asking that everybody gets out of the water at this time, and weather per, uh, issues are keeping us from that. We will hope to continue soon. So we go get some popcorn and ice cream that's on the house, right? Because they're giving away stuff, and we stand around for an hour and a half while it's pouring down rain, lightning and thunder. Like we're all huddled together. Like at this point, I don't like people. <laughs> and then like an hour and a half later they finally go we're canceling the event I'm like you couldn't have done that an hour ago so we make our way to the bus that doesn't show up for 45 minutes now I'm just frustrated I'm me so I'm a people person so I'm standing in line just talking to people right you know where are you from because everybody's not from America I'm like, talking to some Canadians and a lot of UK people there this week and so we finally get on the bus and, and they were t- this is what we were told. You may not get your money back. I'm sorry. I didn't even get to experience the event. <laughs> this is not how things work. Like I don't pay you to not get anything. That's a horrible deal. And so they say, go to your hotel, talk to your hotel. So I go to my hotel and I talk to them and they're like, no, we can't do anything for you. You have to talk to these people. And I'm like, oh, breathe. Jesus loves him. The next day when we're in the park, I go to their guest relations, their city hall. And I talk to this young lady named Kayla. And I, I'm not mean, I'm not rude. I just tell her, hey, look, this is what we experienced. They said that we, we should be able to get our money back. She goes, oh yeah, that won't be a problem. We'll get you your money back. And so in the process of just talking to her, I'm just telling her, she's all, well, how was it? You know, da, 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 all this stuff. I said, yeah, we had to wait 45 minutes for a bus and this, that, and the other. And, and she goes, oh, okay. She just keeps typing away. And she looks at me and, and she goes, she goes, you know, for your troubles, here's what I want to do. And they created this thing called Genie Lightning Lane. It's just another way to get your money, but it really does help. And, uh, and she goes, I'm going to give you three lightning lanes that you can use however you want, whenever you want. Oh, wow. That's going to save some time. She goes, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And she goes, you know, and so, okay, now you're going to laugh at me, so just get it out of the way, okay? I collect sippers. Okay, zipper cups, okay? So you can laugh at me now being a grown man that collects zipper cups. I've got a whole wall of them, no shame at all, okay? Now, only Disney. I'm not like, don't go to Walmart and buy me a zipper cup, okay? If you do that, shame on you. Um, I won't put it on my wall. It's gotta be Disney and it's gotta be from the park, okay? And so, so I told her, I said, I've been all day, I've been running around these three locations trying to find the Minnie Mouse 50th anniversary zipper cup. I know you're dying inside because it's just, it sounds stupid coming out of my mouth. Okay? So it's like a five-year-old. I need my zipper goop. I, I get it. I, I get how bad this and stupid this sounds, but it's what I do, okay? Got a, an addiction, okay? It is what it is. I think I bought four or five this strip. So, um, but I didn't get many. But she, listen, this is, this is the difference. This is why I'm telling you this, okay? She goes, hold on. And she leaves. And I'm like, okay. Standing there. She goes back in the back for like five or six minutes. She comes back. She goes, listen, I have tried. I've even called the, per, the, the company that delivers them. She goes, I was trying to see if they were going to deliver any this week while you were here. She she goes, I called all the different places where they're sold. I was going to have somebody run through the park and grab one for you if it was in the back. She goes, you know what? Listen, for, for, listen, this, nobody else in the, in the park gets a sipper cup either. So it's not like it's, I'm not unspecial. She goes, because you can't find what you're looking for, which nobody can because they're not being sold right now. They're out. 
worldwide. She goes, I'm gonna give you and your family $50 each to spend here at the park. What? I call it the Disney experience for a reason because at Disney, if they do their job well, every cast member makes you feel special. When, you go, when you're a kid and you go to Disney, they, they, the parent doesn't exist. They will get on their level and they will get down to that kid's level and they will talk to them because the kid matters. Why do they take my money? Because of that. You know where they learn that? The Bible. Disney didn't copyright how to deal with people. Jesus did. And the problem is somewhere along the way as Christians, as believers, and as the church, we have lost the power of dealing with people properly. That's why people will spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to go to Disney. Because of how they treat people. Because at the end of the day, when the, when the bus driver, and it's one o'clock in the morning, and he opens the door and he goes, hey! And you're like, hey! but he's still giving his best to you. The life lesson is this. We treat people not just how we're feeling in the circumstance, but how God would want you to treat them. Sometimes we have to push ourselves out of the way and say, you know what, Rodney, I'm, I, I, I'm irritated, but I'm not going to treat you that way because you don't deserve it just because I feel a certain way. I'm called to love people. I'm called to believe in people. So our job is to run, rally around people and say, there's a purpose for you. And if you haven't found it yet, I'm not just going to leave you to it. Well, I hope you find it. No, oh, I'm going I'm to rally and I'm going to grab arms with you. Let's go find your purpose. Let's, let's join together as a church. Each and every one of you have a purpose. Each and every one of you have a place in this world. Maybe somebody hasn't pulled it out of you yet. Maybe somebody hasn't shown you how to get there yet. I'm telling you, my goal is that if you stick around long enough, this church will. Just ask some people that have been with us since the beginning. Ask a Sky if she would be done youth ministry. She would have told you no. She would have. Ask a Eric if he would have ever thought four years ago that he would be on sound and loving it. And when, when, when he first started, I was like, hey, we're going to ease you into this. And he's like, okay, cool. And I was going to put him on rotation. And then like three weeks in, he's all like, don't take me off of it. Why? Because he found something that he didn't even know that he could enjoy. Through God. Each and every one of you have that in you. And it's not just inside the church. It's what you do outside the church. There's been many conversations I've had with you guys, and I won't name names because that's a little rude. But having conversations with you, you go, you know what? I really wanted to punch this dude in the face, but I didn't. Why? Because something inside of you said, mm -mm. I love them. Why? Because we keep the main thing the main thing, and we believe in people. Those are core value number one and number two. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about core values two through ten. Ending with my, one of my favorites, which is we, we as a church love to have fun. Man, if church isn't fun, we're missing the point. Will you close your eyes? Will you pray with me? And I'm going to ask this simple question. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying this. I 
have allowed other things to be the main point in my life. And I need Jesus to be the front and center main thing. And today I just need to make that choice and I need to make that rededication or dedication. If that's you and you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I just need Jesus to be the core center main thing of my life and I haven't allowed him to be. If that's you, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 God, I pray for those that, that just raise their hand. God, that you would help them to, to return their heart to you. Maybe it was just a little off. Maybe it was just a little left or right. Maybe they refocused it. Maybe it was on things that weren't, aren't bad, but they're not you. God, sometimes our family can take the, the focus off of you. And so God, help us to recenter those things. Maybe it's our job and we get so busy and caught up in what we have to do that we forget to spend time with you. The hectic busyness of our life. Maybe it's we get overwhelmed and we emotionally and mentally check out. God, I pray that we would re-put you in the place that you deserve, the place of honor. That first and foremost, you are the main thing. Jesus and, and you crucified, you are the reason why we can do what we do and have the freedom to live the life that we have. So God, I pray that we would just refocus as a church, our heart and our mind back on you. And God, help us to love people as hard as that is, sometimes, God, help us change our heart to love people, to treat people the way that you would want to be treated, to treat them with a sense of purpose, to show them godliness, joy, love. God, that we would pour that into people. God, that we would be close to your word and your will and your worship and spend time with you every day that it would put your character in us. We love you, Jesus, and I pray this week we would have purpose in how we live and we would show the world a good God.